welcome everybody. We are uh, we're here. We're here. Oh my god, you Hello. made it. You, you did make it. You made it through another week. Um I am Carnage. I am Slice. And you are coming you are with Coming Hot into the Box, a roller derby podcast. Huzzah! Huzzah. <laughs> And today we have a really, really special guest. My name is Gabe Montesanti, and I am the author of Brace for Impact, a memoir. My roller derby name is Joan of Spark, and I go by Spark, and I play for our tribal roller derby in St. Louis. Yeah, you do. That is awesome and exciting. And I feel like I very much intimately know you because I've got to, gotten to listen to your memoir for the last several days, and I feel like that's an unfair. That'll thing. do it. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah, because you probably you barely know us, and we feel like we've gotten to have like a big capture into like a piece of your life, not your whole life, obviously, but just like a little piece. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. that's what that's exactly. that's what comes with uh writing a memoir yeah yeah everybody kind of feels like they already know me um i mean not in a creepy sort of way but it is part of the territory of writing a memoir and sharing some details about yourself with the world so i'm yeah i'm really looking forward to like giving you a behind the curtains kind of look at my life is it weird that you like that it, you were, like, so vulnerable in your book and, like, I don't know. I would feel weird, like, if people, like, crossed a line that they thought that they knew me. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the person and the situation, of course. Um, like, they're definitely – but, I mean, ultimately, everything I put in the book, like, I thought carefully about public consumption and, like, like do I want – like I don't know I think I've been in situations like with my students for example when they've accessed something online or you know um (laughs) I've been in some weird situations in that but ultimately like I have thought carefully about what I'm putting into the world and um what I'm okay talking about so right that makes sense yeah, it yeah. it did it does feel like there was a lot of very thoughtful consideration that obviously goes into putting out something like your own memoir that's a very vulnerable raw look into I mean especially yeah. like your relationship with your mother and your sister but primarily your mother and and I I, I mean, I think a lot, um, hey, everybody has parental trauma <laughs> in some form or another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, mine is different and mine is with my father, but like everybody's got their story. And it just, even though like my story is quite different from yours, it still felt very, like I definitely could relate in a lot of ways. And I think that's what makes your book so engaging. And, and I, I've, it's just been really, it's been a great listen. Cause I, I, I downloaded the audiobook, but it's been a great listen for the last couple of days. Do you sure. know that's her voice? That's I her. Do know that. She's yeah. reading it. I do know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was crazy. I mean, they, they rolled out the red carpet for me um, when I was recording my own audiobook, and um, it was this, like, fancy um, recording studio, like, in downtown Dallas, and I was living in northern Texas at the time, teaching at one of the smaller universities up there, 
Um, and they just really t- treated me like royalty. Like they, <laughs> they ordered me lunch every day and they had like beverages and it was, it was a very long and intimate process. And, you know, like reading your story out loud, at least for me was a different way of sort of processing it than writing. So it was a little emotional at times and I had to stop a couple times and my producer who was, you know, talking into my ear was just so like understanding and um, trauma informed and wanted to know about roller derby and my life. And it was an overall really, really positive experience. Um, and I definitely, if I, if I publish another book, I definitely want to record, record it again. I can't imagine somebody who writing a memoir and not reading it themselves, I guess, is, is my thought. Like, yeah. it kind of has to come from you. And I can understand how, like, reading your own words out loud is a very different experience, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to yeah, do it. Definitely. I would be bawling the entire time. <laughs> like, even in the happy spots, I'll be like, oh, that's so nice. And then I'd just start crying. I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> You know what, you know what kind of struck me and just because I'm, I'm very familiar, obviously with Slice's, um, relationship with her, her partner. And we actually often like compare our partners because they're very similar in like calmness and personality. And it was, it, um, reading, hearing you talk about Kelly and incidentally, my name is actually Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) oh wow so it was it was kind of funny um but like I almost feel like to be a really like successful relationships in derby have a really good partner that that like is just the way you described Kelly in the book was just so touching and really like it made me, it was very much a mirror to how I see my, my relationship with my husband and like how supportive he is and how, you know, like I just had knee surgery in, in December. So, you know, just that whole journey of like recovery and coming back and toying with the idea of being back on skates. It's yeah, I could parallel. There are a lot of parallels. (laughs) Yeah. So that was interesting because when I was in my MFA, um, so I did my master's of fine arts in St. Louis as I was joining the team and I started writing these essays about Derby and all of my, um, my writing classmates and my professors were always saying that there wasn't enough Kelly in my essays. And I was (laughs) like kind of shy about it. I was like, you know, I don't know, like, Uh, you know, it feels personal in some ways, like almost more personal than, you know, um, early childhood trauma stuff, like just having, you know, a a relationship and, and all the, all the ways we've grown as a couple, we've been together since I was 18. And, you know, they kept saying like more Kelly, more Kelly. And that was even the, the main critique in my thesis defense. Um, which she was very happy about. She really <laughs> wanted to be in the book more. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, one of the things that my editor 
so when the agent sends out the book to different editors, they have the opportunity to just um, write a couple paragraphs or write a response if they're interested. And my editor chose to write 17 pages to me before she even talked to me. And she wrote, like, Kelly is going to have to be a staple character if we buy this book. And, you know, she she's fundamental in a lot of the ways. Like, she's keeping the narrator going in 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 a lot of in a lot of sense of the word. Um, Kelly thought it was hilarious that in grad school, she was called um, the long suffering partner. Um, (laughs) So we joke about that a lot. (laughs) That she's just the long suffering partner to this person who is chaotically involved in these crazy endeavors and sports and stuff like that. So yeah, um, yeah. we we have no idea what that's like. Yeah. No idea. (laughs) Right. <laughs> I I almost felt like um when cuz she is in the book a lot but I like almost like you kept a lot of that private maybe like for yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like cuz I know I'm very outgoing in person like in your face kind of person but like a lot of my relationship I keep like kind of private cuz that's for me, you know, so I can see I can understand like Wanting to like, hey, this is, you know, I'm willing to share and be vulnerable with the world, but this, this, this piece is for me. Yeah. And wanting to protect it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I did that definitely for some moments. Like Kelly did become a pretty straightforward, positive character where, you know, I didn't show us fighting because I was so obsessed with roller derby, you know, (laughs) and her saying like, you're not spending enough time with me. (laughs) Yeah. Or, you know, things like that. Um, But, you know, I think like, I I was also like growing into myself. It does end with a marriage, um, my marriage to Kelly to sort of echo back to the, um, the marriage, the what's it called? The not not the black and blue ball at RollerCon, but the the derby wife marriage. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's actually the part um, that I'm on right now. Is the derby oh, you're at RollerCon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One of my biggest chapters was writing the RollerCon chapter. Um, but definitely it ends with that marriage because we had all of our friends there, our derby friends, and sort of it's, a, it's kind of about finding what's important, you know, after – all the bonds that I'd really created through Derby and the everything I'd gone through via Derby um, sort of just, you know, cumulated in the end of that chapter. You know what um, made me audibly laugh out loud was because we had a conversation with her. You probably already know this, but with Soup Beans inviting herself to your wedding, like, <laughs> and... <laughs> we met her and we talked to her and like as soon as I read that part I was like that tracks <laughs> oh yeah I actually did yeah message we're her. very good friends um <laughs> yeah I actually did message her after I, I read that part and I was like that was the most amazing part of the book was the fact that you invited yourself to somebody's wedding <laughs> 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 and she was like, hell yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she totally meant it too. She was like, I'm taking the day off work. I want to see you guys get married. Um, just, it was amazing having that kind of support. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. 
to um to go along with that, like just to even mention soup beans, is like is, is soup beans like the only derby name that you actually kept the real name for in the book? One of the very few, yes. Okay. Um, and I, yeah, I had to have conversations with a lot of like legal people when I was publishing, and um, there was, I mean. So, like, for example, my derby mom, who's a big part of the book, Taryn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't use her real name. She wanted us to use her real name. Um, but we couldn't use it because of, like, po- like potential, um, like, legal stuff with her ex. Oh, and, that's like, what... things that were going on with. Yeah, I assumed yeah. that, like, because, like, you had mentioned her son, and her ex. I was like, I wonder if that's the reason why they kept the name out. Yes, exactly. And then like, um, so Nanny, Nanny McWee, I had a part about her mother being like a nationally recognized beauty pageant winner. Um, like one of the first black beauty queens in her state. And that was the reason that I couldn't use her real name. Um, because it would be potentially like giving away the, um, you know, it, giving away the anonymity of her mom. Ah, uh, got you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's all very tricky. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even realize until until Slice had told me that like you actually used a lot of pseudonyms for. Um, for people in the book. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, okay. Well, now that I know makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was, it um, feels ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> right. But Bravo making up all those names. <laughs> when we were, um, when we were at the lobster roll, we were right next to arch rivals table. And that's when, um, the person who is like toots was like, Oh, I'm toots. And I was like, Oh, Oh. <laughs> and, yeah um yeah you know, like, <laughs> some people are really proud of it they should be because it's it's really cool it's like yeah it's is it weird being like derby famous um i don't feel derby famous i mean some a lot of people in my book are just because our rival yeah as a league is derby famous it's true. Um, yeah. But when I was getting in a derby, I had no clue, like, what I was even doing. Like, I had no clue about rankings. I didn't know that, like, I was playing for one of the top ten, you know, teams in the, the whole world at that point. Like, yeah, I just was like, I'm joining this weird sport, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it feels kind of serendipitous. Yeah, I mean, I think – you know, Derby finds us all in very strange ways, like, you know, and, and, and how that, that journey begins. And it was just so great to hear your, your journey into it, because I think it, it does mirror a lot of people's journeys Mm -hmm. where it's just somebody that we're all trying to find something that we're missing. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. And it, it definitely feels like, um, I don't know, like we're all meeting at a point in our lives that is like really critical somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's how it felt to me when I first joined the league. Like, you know, we were all different ages and at all different spots in our life. And I really looked up to Nanny McWee, who was 50 and a professor. And, you know, then I had friends who were, I don't know, just 
literally all different phases and walks of life. Um, and it just, it just felt like I felt such belonging just being there with them. Mm. I could really, I, well, I feel like a lot of people, no matter where they are in their derby career can relate to like at least one point in the book because of how you like chronicle it, how it's like chronicled, I guess. Um, like, I mm-hmm. could really relate to the beginning of being, because I've only been in Derby for about two years, and I could really relate to you going through Fresh Meat and, like, all the feels and everything like that that you had, the thoughts of going through Fresh Meat. Like, I was, I was like, right there with you. It was like, I understand all of this. <laughs> I get all of it. <laughs> Yeah, that was a really important part for me. Um, Something that I had thought a lot about in grad school was like, being a lens into an unfamiliar world. And that was something I was trying to do throughout the book. Like, um, even though I was writing about family and, and chosen family and all of these other themes, like a big part of it was literally just wanting to introduce people to the sport. Mm. Like to something that they might not already know anything about. So my fresh meat, you know, chapters are really um, super zoomed in because I want people to know how freaking uncomfortable it is (laughs) and how painful and how it, at least for me, went against every like urge in my body telling me to just like not go to practice and put myself in harm's way. Right. Um, but it's it's ultimately so for me it was so fulfilling it just hurt <laughs> right yeah. and we've had that conversation um with people about like the difference between um getting injured and being in pain and like right the, you know just yeah. like if you're going to the gym or something like you're going to get like a gym pain but it's a good pain And, like, ultimately, like, that's how derby feels. Like, you're, it's painful and fun, but as long as you're not getting injured, (laughs) there's a difference. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what I remember from my early days. Just, like, this is going to hurt in a way that, like, competitive swimming has never hurt. You know, like, just slamming myself into the wall and into other people. And just learning how to work with a group of people was like a really foreign concept to me. Yeah. As an mm-hmm. athlete who never did that before. Yeah. Especially with Derby, like you really you do rely on your team. Like because um I just recently did a scrimmage and in the scrimmage, like I didn't know any any person in that scrimmage whatsoever. And it was weird. Like the first half of the game was weird because like I was playing with people I wasn't used to playing with. So things that normally happen in game were not happening. And so like, Oh gosh, it's derby is very, very much a team. Like you have to work with your team to be successful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And matchups are like really scary for me for that reason. Just like knowing knowing my blockers and and how like we're trained and stuff um but when you're new you don't have any of that information or just like the fundamental trust in other people to like if i hit you this hard you, like what's going to happen you know yeah um so that also took a long time to build up like if i do this 
then this other thing happens. Um, but yeah, I, I'm totally with you with the scrimmages where you don't know anybody. It's like so much fun, <laughs> but it's so scary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. And, and from like a coaching point of view, like, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. Like to have a team that co- like has a good cohesion. And, and that's why, like, when I think about like who we're going to put out in different packs, like, yes, this I want to know, like, you, you don't play well with that skater. Okay, fine. You you mesh very well right. with the skater instead. Yes. That's great. So, like, getting your packs right so that you feel good with the people on the track, like, that. It's that's the key to success um, a lot of lot I of agree. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the whole injury aspect of the book, because I that's very fresh for me, because that's what I was just really – binge listening to for the last uh, day or so and uh mm-hmm. that was that was tough that was tough that was a tough listen yeah definitely and i think like yeah that just like for me when i was writing it when i was in grad school i thought that that was the end of the whole book like i thought that because i was injured i wouldn't be able to write about roller derby anymore and um Literally, it took one of my professors saying, like, don't you understand that this is now, like, the crux of the book? Like, almost everybody is injured at some point, and you're, like, almost experiencing another deeper layer of being a derby player. Right. And, you know, it doesn't have to be the end of the project. It can just be another chapter of it, which it it literally did become another chapter. um yeah Yeah, um when I got injured it was it was like three weeks before my birthday my first injury where I tore my ACL and uh it was really touching because again I I was kind of that loner kid I was never an athlete but any sport I did play was solo sports like I skied and I roller skated and like artistically and that sort of thing and uh but coming into derby after like one season and then getting injured and then like I was really depressed because it was my birthday (laughs) and it was like, and here I am injured and literally like 30 people came to my house to celebrate with me because I was going to have surgery in like a week. And they're like, that's it. We're just bringing the house down. And like to feel that community and to feel everybody rallying behind me and then how they took care of me after my surgery. Like my parents were supportive, but like there were several things that happened in their life. Like my mother retired from her state job of 38 years, like the week after I had my surgery. <laughs> and then they went to Florida wow. for three months. They just like left and I lived alone. And it was winter in New England and it was the fucking worst. And wow. it was like the worst winter of my life. But like my team rallied and they like, and I did not live close to them. I lived like an hour away from all of them. And they all came and like brought ice cream parties and like took me out, made sure I got out and like made sure I was okay. And like, it just, you know, not being part of the community for very long and having this happen just solidifies how much, how valuable this community is when you're in it. 
Yeah, that is like wild in it in how close it is to my experience yeah. and what I wrote about. And I was injured. I was injured a week before my birthday. And then, you know, I had people coming over with, you know, cake and Diet Coke and, you know, yeah. <laughs> just like things that I love. And um it, it does speak like it it does speak to how different this community is than a lot of the other communities that are, in my experience, have been really antagonistic and competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could never imagine. I've had, you know, some of my best friends growing up were swimmers with me, but I could still never imagine this kind of camaraderie, especially around an injury, which before I was in Derby was kind of treated like you were just kind of, you know, an outcast when you got injured, like people thought that they could catch it somehow, like it was contagious. Yeah. And that's a ridiculous thing, you know, and that's totally not what Derby is. And I've tried to make it my practice to continue boosting people up, not only when they're physically injured, but a lot of people go through really rough times in their derby years too and, and beyond. Yeah. So, and I've had that support. I'm, I'm just lucky that I've had that support. Just everything you can imagine, every like wild life thing that's happened to me. I've had this, you know, like trampoline as I'm trying to aerial dive through the air under me of these derby players <laughs> who just know what to say and they know how to catch you when you fall. Yeah. That was so corny, but it's true. <laughs> no, but it's true though, because like, it's it such true. it is an intimate sport. Like we're in each other's personal space. You know, we're touching each other's butts oh, yeah. all day, everything. We're breathing into each other's mouths. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and I yeah, and I think it's we I think Derby just attracts, you know, spicy minded people. And I think we yeah. all know how it feels to to need somebody to like rely on because yeah we're all very spicy <laughs> yeah yeah i think and it's not a codependency like, no some no people like think about it as yeah as like you need these people to survive or whatever but it's just it's it's a way to move through life that's like so much more fulfilling and mm-hmm. um it just it makes life easier and i've n- i've never had that before until i joined the sport yeah same i mean i think it's just, like you hold place for somebody mm-hmm. like you like you respect yeah. the, the space that somebody takes up and you hold that place for them and whatever they're going through you just either rally around them or you ride the wave with them like it's just that's it like you're if you buy into the secret sauce, like you're part of the basket, like mm-hmm. you, you know you're you're in it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not for everybody, and 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 I get that too. But like that's why, you know, Slice and I when we started this podcast like four months ago. <laughs> I mean, it's the ways that it has has the way it has grown has been crazy in Mm -hmm. itself, but also like being able to see just what a great impact this sport has on people. And like, now our goal is just like, we're going to grow the sport. Like we just want, we want as many people to know about it and to just know that it's there for, for those weirdo people (laughs) 
or not so yeah, weirdo people. Totally. <laughs> you could just be lost and you need some finding and we're here. And that's not just for skaters too. Yeah. I think that's like really important for like our listeners who are like NSOs and refs and stuff like that. That it's just like, it is one big community and you don't have to know how to skate to be part of it. Like our volunteers and NSOs totally. are like a huge part of that. And you know, they're every bit as part of like, we're going to come to your house with cake and diet Coke too. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think it's also like important to acknowledge like over the course of um, playing Derby for me, it's been, I don't know, like seven or eight years now. And there's definitely been times where I've needed to take a step back for my own mental health. Like it's not, a utopia. And that was something that I was working really hard to not present like in my book, like, oh my God, like, you know, whatever. It can get simplified sometimes. But what I think like from my experience is that it does, it gives me the capacity to like say when I need a break. Like, yeah. <laughs> it allows me to set more boundaries for myself around like, okay, that was a really messed up thing in, in roller derby. And you know, I've seen a lot of I've been captaining over the past couple of years and I've seen a lot of messed up stuff around mm-hmm. social issues and racism and, you know, things that are just really still issues in our community. And yeah, absolutely. So I think it's like important to say, like we're not we're not perfect. Here, no, no, but no, no. We, we're different. <laughs> I yeah, we're, I, I think we are different from all of the sports. I think yeah. we've we've really tried to highlight that, too, in many of our episodes that. We say like you know, you're right. It's not it's not a perfect world, um, but it is right. a place where we have found a piece of peace. And unfortunately, yeah. everybody is part of the human condition. You know, n- n- like we're nobody's perfect, and so of course we're as humans not going to create any sort of utopia. And there is still space to grow, um, but like I said, like this is, we have found a piece of peace um, in Derby. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like as a whole in Derby, like people are committed to trying to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's something I've noticed. I agree. And just being a part of, yeah, sorry. You go. Oh no. I just, I was saying like, it's, I feel like people now are really amped to stomp out any sort of toxicity because now a lot of people because of COVID know what it's like to not have Derby. And so like nobody wants somebody like pooping in their Cheerios, basically like, like nobody wants a toxic person around because like, this is our, like our our safe space. This is our safe space. And like, get out of here with any sort of toxicity that you have, because like a lot of us are just like, don't want to lose it again. Yeah, I hope that's the case. And I hope that's the case moving forward. And, you know, just that's been my experience over the past couple years coming back from COVID. Like, I've, I've like, tried really hard to figure out what matters to me. And I have become like a whole different person than I was in the book. And, you know, I'm like, maybe it's okay if I don't go to practices four times a week, and I let my body do what it wants to do. And, you know, just, it's been a real healing journey and I'm never going to write a sequel or anything, but if I could, it would definitely be like finding peace within my body and finding 
piece within the Derby community that allows me to just try to be a leader and to try Mm -hmm. to do better. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And I feel like a lot of the leaders that we've come across have been very much a do better attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And you know, it's, it's, I kind of liken it to the whole, um, you know, uh, generational trauma. Like we're, we are the generation that's trying to fix the trauma of past derby mentality. Like we are here, we're moving forward in a positive way. And it's like, 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 let's work on our shit. We got stuff to work on. Let's work on it. But like, let's move forward and do it well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also like, let's break pattern right exactly let's have allies using their you know positions to speak up for the people who need them to speak up you know and like having people behind like standing with people who are struggling and seeing that struggle in the derby community i think is really really important and um i've seen a lot of that yeah um and i hope to see more and i hope people are, you know, outside of our little bubble are trying to do better. I think you're right. I think that's, I think that's what we're striving for. So how, like one of the questions that we had for you was how, how your life has changed since writing the book. So could you give us a, a recap or a cliff notes version of like how things have been since you wrote the book? So, my life has changed, I think, in a variety of ways. Um, I've just gotten a lot of opportunities to like speak at various engagements. I got full time um, assistant professorship, visiting assistant professorship at the University of North Texas um, to see if academia was a good fit for me. Um, I recently got back from DC where I got to read from my book to this really cool women's gender studies class, um, this really awesome festival. Um, But the things that have been the most meaningful to me have been like, um, maybe things that have seemed not as big. I got invited to speak at the Gay Straight Alliance at my old high school, which was a big moment for me. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because obviously, when I was there, there was no there was no alliance. No, no one was out, you know? Oh, really? And I saw a meme today that was like, what if we had a, like, a high school reunion, but only for those of us who turned out gay? <laughs> and I was like, you know, <laughs> it would be more like a brunch. You know, we'd be classy. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I got to speak at this. I got to zoom in and I got to see all these queer kids in one of the old classrooms, the old science classrooms that I used to to study in. So yeah, that was one of the coolest moments in my life. So, um, and you got married, which is great. Congratulations. How, when did the book start? What year did the book start? Did, did it start from, because I missed that, I think in the very beginning. Yeah. Um, so the book, the events of the book started in 2016 okay. and they ended in 2017, but then the, the sort of ending epilogue is 2020. I got it. Got it. Got it. <clears throat> I, I think I have a really good question for you because I've been, <laughs> I follow you on the Instas. Um, let's talk about your drag king stuff. Yeah, that looks super fun. And I'm almost convinced myself that I want to do that. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. It's been so much fun. So I recently started, not recently, it's been about a year and a half. Um, I started drag and I knew almost nothing going in. I mean, I'm an avid watcher of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I've been to my fair share of drag shows, but I kind of like Derby, I was really curious about the inner workings of the world. And especially for people who were assigned female at birth. Mm. So I was like, what, like, what do, I saw this really cool drag king in Houston when I was like 19 and I had an instant crush on him and I just thought he was so hot. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and I was like, I want to do that someday. So Mm. I, I did, I, um, I moved back from Texas back to St. Louis and I was like, I'm going to start another immersion project and that immersion project like may or may not turn into some writing or you know if I can let myself dream another book someday but I'm gonna do this drag king thing so um I started by like dressing up very masculine and I did like performances that were inspired or like meant to critique some of the blue collar workers of my hometown in <laughs> rural Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sort of evolved. And now I'm just like, I just call myself a drag thing. And I let myself do completely feminine or completely masculine things. Um, I combine different types of clothing and like di- different gender markers. And um, it's just been, it's been completely life-changing and I know that sounds dramatic but even even having experienced derby like being in the drag scene is so also so interesting um and I've written a lot of essays about it now and gotten some published and I got a grant to perform in St. Louis um I won a pageant there was no one competing in my category but I still (laughs) won Um, I saw I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah, this is the coolest thing because your your look is very not like strictly one gender or another. Like you are, it's just it is a combination of things, and it's very fabulous to look at. Thank Um, you. Yeah, I mean it's cool letting myself just like whatever I'm feeling that day. I can I can do it, you know. And I've sort of like even as a little little baby dyke you know I like disallowed myself from wearing like long nails and stuff and I Mm -hmm. just let myself live my full fantasy right now and it's wonderful see like how you perceive um like the drag thing for you is like almost how I perceive being like non-binary is yeah however I'm feeling in the morning that's that's that is me Yes. Just a little, I can be a mix of everything or a little bit of one thing or a little bit of another, like as far as like markers go, but like not one thing or another to put into a box. Exactly. And my Brace for Impact doesn't deal with like gender almost at all, but my next project really does get into like what it means to be genderqueer um, and like sort of like developing that in myself and like recognizing that it's always kind of been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and like also realizing that like I've done drag kind of my whole life just by being forced into wearing like hyper feminine church clothes. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my God. I know how that feels. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's it's totally like it's it's really for anyone who's experienced it, it's like very dysphoric, you know? And I just don't miss those days at all. But oh. I'm so grateful mm-hmm. that I have the stage now, literally. And I also get to write about like mental health. Um and I that was those were two things that I didn't get to write like explicitly in Brace for Impact um, about my bipolar diagnosis and really struggling with severe depression and mania. Mm-hmm. Um, it just would have been way too long if I had really gone there. So I'm now exploring like just how drag and mania are so related for me um, and how mental health can I don't know, just all of it. Like, I'm I'm doing some really deep thinking right now, and it's really giving me, I don't know, giving me a purpose. <laughs> That's awesome. I I feel like with your book, like with even maybe it's just something that I got while like listening to you read it, but it was it it very much felt like as you were reading it, you were definitely like there there was something mental that you were working through like even maybe like as writing it like there was definitely a feeling of i'm writing this down to work through it oh totally and that's been like kind of what writing always has been for me even just there's obviously a difference between journaling and um you know writing for an audience But I was working through a lot with my mom. And even though that's not like that's ever going away, um, working through a lot of like the sexuality stuff and almost like being like, I can't even think about gender. Like it's too much to even like take on. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was I tried to be like very careful throughout writing the book about like not using women to refer to groups of people who are playing roller derby and um I don't know, things that, like, my editor was like, oh, that's cutting edge. But I'm like, no, this is, like, important to me, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So has your mother read your book? Um, As far as I know, she has not. Yeah. Um, But I really don't know. I don't have a relationship with her. Um, and I haven't heard from her. Um, I haven't really heard from her since April and the book was published in May of last year. Got it. Yeah. It's going to be, like, so strange, like, having, like, I don't know, like, strangers, like, so, like, how how's your relationship with your mom? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to ask no, no, necessarily no, I'm just saying, ask like, that, I but... can imagine as being, like, as being her of, like, because it, because your mom is so much part of the story and it is something vulnerable that you did put out into the world of like having strangers ask you like so like have you (laughs) talked to your mom today or you know like (laughs) yeah and I was like I had like a whole session I'm like getting press trained about this question um and you know like it served me well like it's I think that more than anything taught me, like, I can just say, you know, I don't have a relationship. Like, there's – I don't have to, like, spill everything, you know, and I I can still, like, respect that what I did was, like, uh, 
an art, like doing that project and, and telling my story and stuff was like, it's a relic that I can like look at and hold in my hands, but it doesn't give anyone access to everything. And that's been like really helpful, like understanding just as a person moving through the world. Yeah. yeah. Next time somebody asks you that, you should be like, sir, this is a Wendy's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That'll teach them. Yeah. (laughs) They'll be like, what? (laughs) That would, that was, that would be like my biggest fear of being like so vulnerable and putting something like, like that out into the world of like, Oh man, I wouldn't want the questions afterwards. Like I, like I would feel really good about what I did, but like oh, I just don't want questions. Like, yeah, I just didn't want to be perceived almost. And I think like, I think like as a writer, you have to have not only the ability to write the book, but also like this ability to like advertise. It's just like I'm not ready for this or any of the things you're asking me to do now having this book out you know like interviews I mean it's all good and it feels really good having people like know that this exists and is in the world but I feel like the skill set that you need to write a really good book is not the skill set of telling people about the book if that makes yeah, sense yeah 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 that does make sense yeah. it's like it's the difference between like being like a worker and a manager like there's like two, yeah. different, to- two totally different jobs you know yeah. like exactly. yeah advertising and talking about your book is like that's different yeah and you also like talking yourself up too i would imagine it'd be like i would fail I'd be like, and i hate doing that like here's you're my thing <laughs> I did exactly. It. Exactly. I don't want to do that. But I, I do think that the way you're looking at it, like this is this is your piece of art. Like this is your 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 relic. This thing that you can hold and see and document. Like to to look at it like that. I think is. I think it's really healthy. Like it's just mm-hmm. because it's you can you can see it for what it is. And like this was a point in a period in time, and I've created this thing. I've birthed this this work of art, but now I can I can put it away. It's yeah. right there, and if I need to go back to it, I can. But yeah, like the whole interviews and plugging for it, and like talking about it, and knowing that it is like it's a window into part of your life yeah it's just yeah and it's a part that if I had to rewrite like it would probably be a completely different book right now yeah and it's been a couple years since I had to stop working on it for it to go into production and all of that but I mean I think that's just part of being a writer too is acknowledging that and maybe just being a person that there's some things in your life that will, will just keep coming up for you probably the rest of your life and the relationship with my mom is one of those things. And um, it doesn't mean that I can't be on new, you know, immersion projects or put myself in various other, you know, situations that I'm going to write about or do anything in terms of like being fulfilling an artistic dream. But I think it's just that story will always be changing throughout your life. Yeah. Yeah. I've frozen one of those versions. Yeah. Yeah, because like, you know, hindsight and perspective that it changes as time goes on. So like totally. how you perceive, you know, how 
you know, your mom at one point in your life, you grow up, you know, we all go through this, like how we perceive our parents at one point in your life is totally different than like 10 years down the road where you're like, you know, because you grow up and you kind of start like not in some cases understanding, but in like also other cases, like seeing a different side and a different perspective not not saying that like parents are right and like the trauma that they cause you (laughs) (laughs) at all but like I know at least like with my mom like I definitely have a different perspective of my mom now than I did 10 years ago yeah 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 and I think about that all the time like if I were to become a parent like I definitely even just reading different works of literature I just finished um made by Stephanie Land and there's a really obviously like the portrayal of the main character in made just just trying to get through the day you know with a kid um it just it it rings differently for me like every year that I grow and like with the more knowledge I take up but it's still like I'm still proud of what I did you know yeah and I mm-hmm. like it's still, it's still truth and it's still my truth. So yeah. Yeah. Of where I'm at with it. <clears throat> well, I definitely look forward to like, if, if you are going to do another book and it's going to be about like drag King. Yeah. Drag con- confessions of a drag thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, Oh man, I would love to read it. Cause I like your, your writing style just kept me very like into the book. Yeah, um, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's an important story. I do think it's an important story for a lot of people in Derby. Because I think different people can relate to it in different ways. With the book that's out now? Yeah, with the book that's oh, out Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I, I've i recommended this book to so many people. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. That's, like, the nicest thing you can do. <laughs> I'm, like, so, you know, like, somebody in Derby will say, like, one thing and be like, oh, I know a good book you can read. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually had somebody on our reach out on our, our podcast who they were talking about that they had gotten injured and they were like kind of wondering how to remain a part of Derby and you know, our like the mental struggles of going through and being injured. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I know a perfect book for you to read in your downtime while you're injured. <laughs> that might help I go, you. Like, I go back and forth, like whether I should tell people to read it while they're injured or like if it would be just too much like psychologically to like read about another injury. But I have gotten like I could probably do like a whole calendar of pictures I've gotten of people laid up with injuries reading Brace for Impact, and it makes me really happy. (laughs) Well, because it shows that there is life after injury, that people aren't alone when 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 they get injured. Right. Um, And the fact, what was... Do they still have the robots versus zombies thing at, at yeah. RollerCon? Yeah. Soup Beans was telling me, telling us about it. Yeah. I just think that is the coolest thing ever. Like, <laughs> I feel like every injured person should know that there is a robots versus zombies <laughs> bout that happens at RollerCon. Because that's... Yeah. We're all injured. <laughs> zombies all the way. Team Zombie. Team Zombie. Yeah. Team zombie. There's something like empowering about it. Like they tried to kill me and they didn't. That's like, right. I'm <laughs> yeah. I either got somebody else's body parts or I'm just full of metal. Or I got right. a little bit of both. 
Exactly. <laughs> so tell us what your derby career looks like now. Um, so my derby career, I just got my first concussion. <laughs> Oh, that's, you got that at um, Lobster Roll. Yeah, at Lobster Roll. Oh, it was no. kind of, it was, I tried to push through and I should not have done that. I am the captain of Arch Nemesis, which is Arch Rivals B team. Um, so I've been captaining um, for two seasons now. Um, and it's been really interesting because B teams can be ranked. So... Yeah, that's it's, a new rule. It is a new rule, and it's affected us greatly. Oh, really? Um, How so? Yeah, because we we've we've been playing, and you know we've 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 just kind of always been overshadowed by the all stars and their greatness, basically. So, <laughs> um, and then like obviously getting just like manhandled by them at every scrimmage, like. But this year. Uh, we are are in the top, like, right now we're number 16 out of 150 teams in our region. So the top 12 go to regionals this year. Um, so we're just trying to move up four spots by the end of, or by the be- beginning of April in order to actually play against the A teams at regionals. Nice. Oh, that would be so, so cool. cool. That's such a cool yeah. thing that they did, allowing, like, to letting B teams rank because – um, it's something that has changed in our area too, because now yeah. that there's, you know, that B teams are allowed to do that. Now it's kind of <laughs> like, there's, there's been kind of a mind mindset shift of like, Oh, Oh, Hey. Right. And like B teams are taken a lot more seriously as, as teams, like, y- you know, a lot of leagues that work really hard and have really good A teams, are great, but they also have really good B teams that never get to really play at a high level. Right. So my mission over the past couple of years has been like motivating and like just rallying a team of really amazing players who kind of have always been um, in the shadows and just realizing that like we can play with all these A teams and like we can be taken seriously by them. And we've had a couple instances of of other A teams like writing us and thinking that they're writing the A team, and you know saying that they wanted to play the All Stars, but when they realized it was us, they said like no thanks, even though we're ranked higher. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of like you know B team stigma out there that we're trying to dismantle um and a lot of teams in our region have amazing B teams like Windy City we you know we love Windy B we love getting to play with them they're also ranked in the top hopefully we'll qualify for playoffs this year um just Montreal B has an amazing B team in our region too so Mm -hmm. it's really letting us have the chance that we've wanted to have for years it's like the best rule ever so yeah that's kind of been my my journey but also as I said um maintaining my boundaries doing all the drag I want and like letting my body just like be a body so it's been a a big mental shift for me yeah that's great to hear it is (laughs) No, I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say like, I'm so proud of you, but like, that's such an accomplishment to get to that mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, of just 
Like this is, this is where you're at. This is where you are. And it's great yeah. that you're here, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> let your body just be a body is, a, yeah. a, I think that's a, a thing people struggle with. Yeah, totally. That's a radical thing to do. Like, I know. Mm, I agree with that. I have, I've had uh, body issues that I've struggled with like my entire life and actually getting into derby has been one of the things that have like, let me let my body just be a body because like, coming to the conclusion that like, Oh, my body can do some really cool shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. And just taking care of it better. And, yeah. and even so far as like one of our, la- our last home game, actually um, I have a woman on my team who is going through menopause. Like she's in her fifties and mm-hmm. she like, she's uh, always been an amazing athlete and now like her body isn't performing for her the way that it has her whole life, but it's because she's going through menopause. Mm -hmm. And so like, I just, I had to tell her and just be like, listen, like you, you have, you know, I know it's a hard thing, but like your body does amazing things. Like you're 55 and like, or 50 something and doing playing derby like that's yeah. no small feat like <laughs> playing a full contact sport <laughs> playing a full contact sport like to, <laughs> yeah. to get to that place where you f- can accept your body for what it is and what it does for you is such a hard thing as humans I want to say you know like mm. it's I- I've put on a-, a good amount of weight too since COVID and it's like I can't lose that weight like I'm having I'm struggling to do it and it's like it's a struggle for me to just be like, it's okay that I'm at where I am. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely in a similar boat with like the bipolar medication and all the weight gain that that causes and just completely reorienting the way that I think about bodies has been so crucial to me and just my acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you mentioned in your book too, that like, that's, that is like one of the struggle, like struggles that oh, yeah. you have. So I can't imagine like having bipolar medicine that kind of like puts that on top of it, like the mental shift that you have to that you have to make in order to be comfortable in your own skin. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's been really, really hard and it's been a challenge for me, but it's it's and it's not over, you know, but it's like I feel like I'm I'm like leveling up in the video game that is my life and just like <laughs> Do you think yeah. Do you think that like doing the drag king stuff um has like helped you with that mindset shift? Oh yeah. Of being able to like you know, for lack of a better word, be able to like play with your body of like now it's it's something different that you can like accessorize. Totally. I mean, first of all, I've put in so much trust in pasties over the past few months. <laughs> And second of all, like being that naked in front of that many people, like it does something to a person, but no, seriously, like I drag has completely changed the way I think about my, my body and, and the way, especially that I almost don't care as much about gender anymore, like, um, and, and weight and how I'm looking like, it's like a weird like you have to look at yourself in order to do your makeup and and spend all this time on yourself focused on yourself to look a certain way and like a piece of art but it's also sort of pushing back against that in a weird like i don't know 
like I look how what I want to look like, you know, like screw everyone who thinks I should look a type of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a super complicated like thing for me that I've just been I've spent months like in my attic writing about. <laughs> yeah. Um that I hope I can share with you all one day. Yeah. I hope to read it. Yeah. I hope to read it too. Yeah. Thanks. Yay. <laughs> well, I thank you so much. I, I it's been amazing. It has. And thank you so much for your patience yeah. with our internet. <laughs> yeah, you you are our first um long distance interview. So um there's it's a good learning experience today. <laughs> no, of course. I'm honored to be your long distance interview. Oh um, and I'm really grateful for you for having me too. Yeah. I'm actually really glad that we were able to do this instead of talk at the lobster roll because the lobster roll was so noisy and chaotic and chaotic. And it's not really a place that you really talk about like a vulnerable book. Yeah. Yeah. And I was concussed and not in a good headspace. Yeah. Your your brain was uh, bruised. (laughs) (laughs) This was much better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and can I just say like, the relationship that we have formulated with our tribal at this point, like <laughs> I know, I, I know feel like I we're best it. friends with everybody on Arch now. Like, <laughs> good. I mean, I just want to like go on the record and say that our tribal is very, very friendly, and we just want to like party. Yeah. So, um, yeah, everybody should be friends with our tribal. I mean, we we come to we come to work and we come to play and we want to win, but man, we like love just we're ha- we're having fun just living i think is what i'll say about our team yeah. i agree that was the vibe that we got from like everybody we talked to from our tribal because like good. our table was right next to you guys's table um oh, during like during the bout where you played in i think it might have been the bout you got concussed but <laughs> um where they had like the music going and stuff but like our table was right next to theirs and um that sounds like a great time um it was everybody was super nice yeah it was really great yeah. it was really great um but yeah thank you so much for taking the time out and we wish you all the best with like the success of your book and future books and we hope that you'll talk to us again if like when that happens because oh, oh man i want to know all about the world of drag drag kings yes. i don't think drag kings get enough attention like we need to like raise up that voice. Yeah. Are we going? Are we going to be drag kings now? <laughs> no, I'm not going to be a drag king. Okay. I, ca- I can't deal with that. Like, <laughs> meaning I just can't put on the makeup and do the costumes and everything. I am a, yeah, no. Junior Derby, over. <laughs> Junior Derby first. She says that she can't do that, but you don't even know how dramatic this person is. Like, I'm very I'm dramatic. Wrong. I know it's true. <laughs> In my experience, it just takes the right situation and the right amount of alcohol, and it, oh, maybe you can yeah. be a drag. Well, see, I don't really drink. That's the thing. Uh, the right amount of weed. yeah. The right amount of weed, or maybe yeah, that would. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, that would be even better. You see. Oh boy! You well, want to jacket? No, no. <laughs> I'm gonna talk her into it. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much. We appreciate your time, and we wish you all the best. And yeah, all right. So for now, I am Carnage. I'm Slice, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.
Hey, Mom, did you listen to my podcast? What's a podcast? 